I'm going to read the scripture. We're going to pray, and we're going to jump in. So why don't you guys stand? Three separate scriptures. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Leviticus 19. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Exodus 20. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, we are, as a church, in... Oh, let me pray. There's, a, there's an order. There's an order to what we're doing. So, let me pray. Father, um, there's so much going on in our hearts and minds when we show up on a Sunday morning. Um, it's loud internally, and sometimes it's loud externally. And so we just ask, Father, right now, that through your Spirit, you would open our hearts and our ears and our souls to whatever you have for us to hear. Father, I prayed you'd use these fumbling and sometimes humble words to actually do something significant through your spirit. We have no hope outside of you. And so we come to you for that, asking you to glorify yourself in our midst during this time in Christ's name. Amen. As I said, we're in the law. Uh, scripture tells us that there were 10 commandments given to Moses, and there were two tablets. One tablet, tradition says, had the first four commandments of the law put on them, and the second tablet had six commandments. Now, if you see Ben-Hur, it's not how it's written, but that's what tradition says. We don't actually have any pictures, unfortunately. And, and really, the first four commandments deal with God's relationship and really man's relationship to God. We've been looking at this over the course of the last three weeks. And the second tablet, the last six, is ultimately about man's relationship with man. What does it look like for men to relate to one another? The first four develop and safeguard an abiding love of us towards God in a way that brings transformation and change to our hearts. And of course, the last six take that abiding, transformative love that we offer to God as we received from him and extends it to, to neighbor to the degree in which we love God, and we've said this several times, to, to the degree in which we are moved by his grace and his power and his beauty and his name, to that degree we will find ourselves loving neighbor as ourselves. It's Hudson Taylor, uh, who's the missionary that was credited pretty much for bringing the gospel to China, uh, overheard someone talking about him one time, and they said, um, no, oh, well, Hudson Taylor went to China because he loves the Chinese. And he actually interjected, said, no, that's actually not correct. I didn't go to China because I love the Chinese. I went to China because I love God. And God loves the Chinese. That's why I went to China. Love of God must be, it must be the basis of not only all movement and heart, but also of all morality, of all ethics, and of course, of God's love for us as well. So last week, Art led us to think about this reality of what it means for us to love God and to, and to think about him as, as we think and consider and speak about him. What are the ways in which we're speaking and thinking and that are actually incongruent? They're not connected to the reality of what's true about God. And what does he think about that? 
Now, what's interesting to me is that I've heard all kinds of different conversations since that sermon. And several of them have actually been about how, wow, that was, that's harsh. I mean, I was with a group watching a football game that afternoon, and everyone kept going, oh, uh, um, I mean, Dosh Garnet, uh, I mean, I, uh, I can't speak. So people started just grunting. You know, it was literally, it's, there was a sense of being undone and not knowing what to do with what was coming out of our mouths. And, and I felt the same way. And I don't know about many of you, but I've spent this week being shocked by how many times, not only in my speech, but even just in my thoughts, that, that I'm not thinking about God rightly. I'm not, and, I'm, and, and so here's the thing. Some of you have felt, I mean, someone, I heard one comment that said, someone said, I just felt like the law. It is the law. <laughs> it is the law. It, it, is, it is that overwhelming. It is that crushing. It is that difficult. It's actually that impossible. We do understand, right, that the Ten Commandments weren't a list of things to do so that we could be right with God. It was God saying, here's who I am. In my perfect character, here's what I want to invite you to live as. And you can't do it. You can't do one of them. So if you felt overwhelmed last week and going like, I can't do this, this is ridiculous, this must be the law. It is the law. It crushes us. It leads us to believe there is no hope outside of Jesus. But because of Jesus, you can go, man, I'm a mess. I can't keep my, my, my tongue, my mind straight. I can't seem to obey even close. And what do you know? God knows. And he offers grace in Christ. And he says, come, you don't have to have shame or guilt. Yes, you failed. It's worse than you thought, right? This is good news for you. Come, come to me and allow me to change you over time. So if you're uncomfortable and if you've been uncomfortable, it's a good thing. Let us, my invitation to us, let us, I urge you, like stay in the discomfort. My, my, if, if you're finding yourself crushed by the law in a way that actually doesn't allow you to stand up, then you probably are not seeing the reality of the gospel applied to it. God's not afraid to lay the law down on you because he's actually overcome it for you. Does that make sense? So if you're feeling weighted down, rejoice and persevere. Persevere with us. One of the things I read this week, um, uh, you know, one of Martin Luther's most famous quotes is, all of life is repentance. And nothing helps us more than the Ten Commandments to remind us all of life is going to be repentance because you can't do it. But James chapter 1, verse 25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, which is what we're doing, the law of liberty, which is an entire set of sermons about that, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so I just want to invite you in this process to persevere to let the law do its work, that it may lead you to Christ. That's what it's supposed to do, to lead you to Christ, and that you would be changed. And that next thing you know, you'll find that the character of God becomes embedded in you, and you're not going like, oh, man, how am I doing? Am I doing okay? Am I bad? Oh, I'm so bad. Am I, can I, how many of you had people go like, can I say that? Like, am I allowed to say that? Is, that? is that one of those that's okay? It's like, we're not parsing words, guys. Like, it's not how it is. That is not what the grace of Christ looked like. So, endure, persevere with me. I must have the grace of Christ, and I am certain that you need it too. So, we come to uh, a new question and answer this week. Um, so, let's go ahead and do this together. We're going to read the question and the answer together out loud. Ready? What does God require in the fourth and fifth commandments? Fourth, 
that on the Sabbath day, we spend time in public, private worship of God, rest from routine employment, serve the Lord and others, and so anticipate the eternal Sabbath. Fifth, that we love and honor our father and our mother, submitting to their godly discipline and direction. It's a full one. It's two commands. Um, if you remember this summer, for those of you who are here, uh, Steve Heimler did a, a series where we were talking about living in the rhythm uh, of how God has designed the world. And one of the things he spent one week on was on Sabbath. And he walked through that pretty extensively. So, so we've opted to say, go back to that series and listen to that Sabbath talk. And instead, this week, we're going to talk about the fifth commandment, which is to honor your father and your mother. All right, so I want to acknowledge at the outset that parents are flawed people. And some pe parents are particularly flawed people. And um, that's why one of the, the realities as you think about your family situation is that it may be difficult or potentially almost seemingly impossible to think about the fifth commandment as something that you can really do. I've actually had a lot of conversations in advance of this with different people from the office, from our community group about this. It's been fascinating to realize how much energy is inside the, uh, the push on this, this command, but God knows what he's doing. And so what I want to invite you to do, as I'm going to talk about some stuff, what's going to happen in you, if you're someone who had a, a bad or a difficult uh, experience as a child with your parents, you're going to find yourself going like, Matt, you don't know. You don't understand how my family was. You don't realize how painful this was. And, and, and so what I want to do is this. I'm not trying to say, like, put all that aside. What I'm saying is, will you remain open to what the Spirit's going to have for you here? That he doesn't just have something for you to do that he has something to give you in this. Will you trust him with that as you, as you listen and, and believe that he wants to move and do good things in you as well? There is a tension, so I want to make two quick observations about uh, the fifth commandment. First, uh, have you noticed the order? Is it a strange order to you? It's one of the first things that struck me is I realized I'm looking at it, I'm going, like, wait a minute. The next are like, you know, murder, adultery, stealing, um, help me out, um, false witness and coveting, right? That's the next list of the next five. But doesn't it seem like, like, honor your parent, mother and father should, like, not be above murder? Have you ever thought about that? Like, wait a minute. What? What's that doing way up there? Like, why isn't it down by, like, you know, false witness or something? You know, kind of like eight or nine, position eight or nine? Because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure God's not doing things erroneously. I mean, clearly, even in the next five, there's a sense of, like, a descending order of gravity and impact, right, and on communal life. What is this doing as number, five, like number one of the, of the relational and communal ones? That's a great question. Thanks, Matt. Another thing I noticed, I'm just going to leave that hanging out for you because we'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, another thing I noticed is that it's the only positive command. Do you notice that? It's the only positive command in the relational commands. It's honor your father and your mother. Versus all the other ones are, are negative ones, like just don't do these evil activities. There's a sense in this command that God is actually calling us to move towards something. He's inviting us to a proactive engagement in something. So again, this morning, I think that's what he's inviting you into, into some proactive engagement on things that maybe you haven't thought about in a long, long time or haven't wanted to think about for a long, long time. And so um, here's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about wh what it is to honor, why do we honor, and how do we honor Took me days to come up with that outline. It's pretty tough. So what does it mean to honor? What does it really, really mean when it says honor? The Hebrew word is translated honor here means to, to make heavy 
or to make weighty. You might recognize that, and we were talking about glory, right? That, that it's very similar to the God being weighty or heavy. It's to bring someone or to give someone esteem or respect. The opposite of honor, of course, would be to, to, to make or to take someone lightly or to make someone with, uh, dishonored by the low respect or the, the lack of honor. One commentator said, it's an inward regard and esteem manifested by outward tokens of respect. So, we honor our parents by respecting the role that God has given them in our lives. Let me say that again. We honor our parents by respecting the role that God has given and put in them in our lives. That is how we honor our parents. Here's the thing. How we express that honor is going to change. It's going to morph depending on the reality of the season of your life, your level of maturity, what age you are. And, and now, it will never actually become a, you know what, you're done honoring now. It never goes away. The reality of honoring, the, the command never goes away. But the form does shift according to seasons of life. So let's talk about just the, the, the beginning piece here. Um, Paul says, as we read earlier, of children, obey your parents in the Lord. Okay, so that's Ephesians. And then right after that, he uses the command, right? The fifth commandment, kind of illustratively. So one of the things that's very clear, and there's not a whole lot of you in here, but if you're zero to 18, what it looks like to honor parents, to honor your father and your mother between zero to 18, roughly. Yeah, made him pay attention. Yeah, this is for you. Is to obey. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. As children, we honor our parents by obeying their instruction. The primary role of a parent is not to keep a child happy. Contrary to popular belief, that's not the main goal of parenting. The goal of parenting is to be a teacher, a trainer, one that's going to instruct a child in their way. And obviously, that's not super popular right now. I mean, in some ways... Um, we have this kind of dichotomy of you're not allowed to, to discipline your children much anymore. You're, you're really not supposed to do a, a ton of like telling them how it should be or certainly not having control over them, like kind of give them the chance to turn out to be what they want to be. And, and there was a 1970s report, uh, Carnegie um, Foundation came out with a report and, and basically the report said, hey, parents, we've been doing this wrong all along. You know, millennia, we've been totally screwed up and have this totally wrong. What you're supposed to do is not to actually exercise authority over your children. What you're supposed to do is, is primarily just to be a support for them as they go through life. And your goal is to basically kind of be like a coach on the sideline that's pointing them to all the pros. So like you go to camp and you'll meet some counselors and you go to, go to school and those teachers will help you. And you go to send your kids to youth group and your pastor will take care of you. And so you're basically kind of over here going like, hey, I'm just a cheerleader. I'm for you. Come what may, you know, whatever it takes, whatever you want to become, nothing in the scripture points to that reality as a parent. Nothing. Instead, Ephesians 1 is actually pretty clear. It points to two very significant things. It says that you're supposed to do two, you get to do two things as a parent. So this is, this, this is really like, what does it mean to be the kind of parent that is honored, that is worthy of honor? Paul says, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. The reason that God gives is that there is a moral order to the universe and it 
is right for children to obey their parents. It's how God designed it. And so we are stand-ins as parents for God as they learn about him, about life, about how to make friends, what it means to live in this world. So what do parents give their children? Well, Ephesians 1 tells us. He said, gives us two things. A, a father is to give their child two things. He says, don't, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And here's how you do that. By doing two things. Discipline and instruction. Now, the word discipline is very clear. It's basically uh, correction. It's, uh, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to, so it's the, it's the harsh. It's the, hey, I want to be clear. This is how it is, and this is how it's going to roll. And instruction is more like counsel. It's the, for lack of a better term, it's the couching, connecting, let me help you along the way. Let me train you through care. And so what does it mean then for a parent to raise up their child? Well, it's, it's actually to do both. And so what does it mean to, to stir up your child to anger? It means to either be so into discipline that your child experiences none of, none of the training, none of the, uh, the instruction, and they're hardened. Or it's, it's all instruction. It's, it's okay, Tommy. How did you feel about the fact that you took mommy's new lamp and threw it out the window? How do you feel about it? Tell me. How did that go for you? Like, it's, you see what I'm saying? It's not, it's not one or the other. It's, it's, a, it's, it's both. It must be both if we are to follow what God has intended for us. Either over-discipline and no instruction or all instruction and no discipline does not prepare a child for God, which is what parents are in charge of. They are to prepare a child for their relationship with God first and foremost, and then with their relationship to the world. So, in childhood, the way we honor the role of, God -given, of our God-given parents is by obeying their instruction. And the way we become parents worthy of honor is to be purposeful and yet artful in weaving discipline and instruction. Now, as adults, though, what does it mean to honor? The command, you'll notice, is honor your father and mother. Now, these commands are being given to the adult people of Israel, i.e., like you, saying, honor your father and mother. This is not just to children. It's actually no longer to children. And you'll notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, trust your father and mother. It doesn't say, admire your father and mother. It doesn't say, as an adult, to obey your father and mother. No, it says to honor. Now, since the Ten Commandments are the absolute principles for building all of life on, God can't be saying, Admire your parents because, well, some parents are evil. Or you should trust your parents because some parents are legitimately unstable. You should obey your parents, even if you're 40 or 50 years old, whatever they say, that's what goes. No, God has a particular calling on your life. You must leave and cleave, for example. No, he says honor. And what that means is that no matter where you are, who you are, who they are, whatever circumstances or reality you find yourself in, at all times we are to honor. Honor is a moral choice. It's a moral choice. 
It's not based on sentimentality. One, one commentator said, honor is the unsentimental moral nucleus of your relationship with your parents. Everything may change. Honor is a decision to treat your parents with courtesy and dignity and to provide long-term loyalty to their best interest. You can give your parents honor without trust, obedience as an adult, or without admiration. So there is a direction for honor. So why? Why is God telling us to honor our parents? Like what, what's, the, what's the direction, right? Any child who's told something they have to do, the first question that comes up is, well, why? And so it's a great question, and we're going to answer that. So why, why does God command us to honor our, our parents? And this is, this is going to be true for every other single command, but it's particularly true here. Is because God has connected his own honor with the honoring of your parents. That God has connected his own honor with you honoring your parents. He attaches the same penalty for dishonoring of a parent to dishonoring his own name, his own reputation, for blaspheming who he is. In fact, there's only two things, only two beings, two entities that Moses actually talks about through all the five books of the, of the, uh, the, the first five books of the Pentateuch that we're supposed to revere and honor, and it's God and parents. That's it. So the bottom line is we honor, the fundamental bottom line is that we honor our parents first and foremost because honoring our parents honors God. Put that up on the screen because I want you to think about that for a second. Do you see that when your parents are not worthy of honor or are difficult to honor or can no longer be honored, what we're getting to do is we're actually in relationship with the one who does not go away, who has never dropped the ball, and who is for us, and we honor him. So when you find yourself unable because of who, you're able because of him. Because it gives him honor. And if we love him, as the first four commands point us to, if we love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we will want to honor him. See the difference? Why does God command us to honor our parents? He also because paternal honor lays the foundation for our attitude towards all authority figures. If we don't learn the fifth commandment as a child, as an adolescent, then we're not going to have the kind of foundation that's going to prepare us for all the other authorities in our life. From teachers to coaches to government to church leadership. We often think of authority figures of any kind as someone that is to be determined as to whether or not they're going to receive honor, right? And if you drop the ball, well, then I actually am no longer required to, but that's not actually how scripture operates. It says you give honor for the role, for the place, because I say this is something that is supposed to be honored. We have that so flipped backwards now. What we do is we go like, I will decide whether or not that's worthy of honor, and then I'll give it honor. And God's like, I'm sorry, that's not how it works. I say this position, this role is supposed to receive honor. And so now you get to love me and honor me by honoring it. It's overwhelming, isn't it? I mean, don't you just want to go like, no, like I choose. I choose what's worthy of honor. And God said, no, I, I, I made you. I know how, I, trust me, this is what is good for you. 
according to the Bible, we are still bound to honor authority and parents in particular. And lastly, we honor because, why? Because God has attached it to a blessing. Uh, one commentator, Miller, said this, um, this commandment to honor the people whose parents, who parent us is coupled with a promise that those who do this will live long and have good, a good life. This is a principle that when each generation honors their parents, this creates and maintains a social climate that enhances the possibility of a good and long life for people. This is not one of those promises that you're like, oh, I honor my parents, sweet. Cha-ching, and I'm living to 80. Like, that's not how it works. That's not how God operates. His invitation, his invitation is to say this is the kind of fabric that as a culture, as a community, produces the kind of community, the kind of nation, the kind of culture that lives long and prospers. Because children are honoring their parents, and as they get older, then they're honoring their parents, and they're, honor and they're being honored, and it, they're responding to authority, and they're finding themselves under the... That's what happens, and so they're living long. So long life with prosperity is promised as far as it will serve God's glory and our own good. All right, so now we get into the fun part. How, how, how do we honor our parents? How, like practically how? Well, when you're, when you're a young adult, we honor our parents, and I'm talking like just, just after the 18 kind of window. We honor our, our parents in particular because we find ourselves not so much not wanting to rebel against their authority so much as we actually don't think they're particularly, arrogant, particularly uh, um, skilled, intelligent, and we tend to dismiss our parents, right? Y'all remember being there? Y'all remember, are you still there? We, um, we start to think that they don't know much, that they're naive, that they're kind of out of touch with the reality of the world. Um, remember that? Mark Twain said it well. I think this is the, one of the best quotes he has. He says that when he was a teenager, he was amazed at how unintelligent his father was. But by the time he turned 21, it, he was also amazed at how much his father had learned in such a short <laughs> amount of time. So as we launch into adulthood, in particular as we launch into adulthood, one of the ways in which we honor our parents is by seeking out and carefully weighing their advice, okay? By seeking out and carefully weighing their advice. Um, now, and I mean by that is I mean actually weighing it. Not like lip service, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. Okay, okay, thanks, Dad. No, I'm talking about actually weighing it and going like, God, you gave me these people. I don't know that I agree with everything, but I would like to hear what you have to say to me through them. I'm going to trust you through them. By listening attentively to their ideas and then deciding, even if you're going to be deciding otherwise. So college and career, your spouse, the person you're dating, the relationships you have, where you're going to move to. Listen. I'm not talking that your parents are perfect or right. I'm just saying listen and pursue them and honor them. This is why you don't have to admire or agree. You can still honor. We honor our parents by speaking respectfully to them and speaking respectfully about them. Now, our words um, will be attentive to, to not hurt or, 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 or seek to purposefully offend our parents, but rather they will be tender and true, seeking to bless them. Give them credit. This is one of the, the most significant things that's helped me. That you get to give your parents credit where you can. Not where you can't, 
but you get to give them credit and blessing, right? Credit is basically saying, hey, I credit you with this. I bless you for what you have contributed, how you have participated, being grateful to God for them and how he has provided and the ways in which they have equipped you. And that looks like saying to your parents, hey, mom, dad, this, this is one of the things I've gotten from you. This is one of the things that, that's part of who I am now because of what I saw in, in you. So we, we speak blessing. But maybe more importantly, it's certainly been challenging for me this week, is that we honor our parents when we speak kindly about them, particularly in front of others, and especially our kids. And I would say this almost unilaterally. I think that our kids learn what it means to honor. They learn what it means to honor by listening to how we honor authorities and particularly how we honor our own parents. I mean, there's always these crazy stories, right, of people treating their parents really badly, and suddenly their kid walks up and says, he's like, oh, I'm going to do the same thing for you guys. And suddenly, whoa, never mind. Uh, I'll treat my parent better because I want you to honor me also. So we speak well about them. No, no parent is perfect, and many are, are less than perfect. Um, and so we honor them. So some people, I mean, there's some, some really difficult circumstances that have happened, but we, we find ourselves saying, I'm going to choose to not highlight publicly the reality of how you have failed, disappointed, dropped the ball. So in that sense, of we, we, we speak kindly about them, sometimes by not speaking about the things that are not so awesome about them. One of the, I think, the, the most powerful biblical, and some, that, that's mercy, right? I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Uh, one of the, the great, I think, uh, Biblical pictures of this uh, is actually potentially a really confusing passage for you if you've read the scriptures. It's, it's uh, Genesis chapter 9. Noah has gone through the whole ark incident. They've landed. It's been a while. He plants a vineyard. This is one of those when you're, you know, your eight-year-old reads the Bible and, and you're like, let's just not read, let's not read chapter 9. Um, so he gets drunk. Noah, Noah gets drunk from a vineyard that he planted and he finds himself laying in his tent and he's, um, not, he's, he's not dressed appropriately. He's exposed. Um, like, hashtag, um, you know, there's, there's a way of doing this better. But uh, so it's kind of a wardrobe malfunction type situation. But that's, that's where he's at. And so his son, uh, Ham, finds himself coming by. He sees his dad exposed. And what he does is he goes and tells other people. He goes and broadens the circle of dishonor. Now, it, it's not okay that Noah was drunk and naked in his tent, okay? I'm not, I'm not advocating that as proper parental behavior. What we're saying is like Ham saw it and he goes and tells others, at least his two brothers. But his brothers relate very differently. They come and they take a blanket and they wrap it around both of their shoulders, if you guys remember this, and they go backwards into the tent where their dad is laying. And they, they literally says they did not look upon his shame and what they do is they lay the blanket upon him and they walk out without seeing him. And Noah wakes up, sobers up, and realizes what's happened and finds out what's happened. And here's what he says. Basically, he says, you two have honored me. And so I am going to bless you. How did they honor him? They honored him by covering his shame. See what they did? They covered his shame. He was wrong and out of line and drunk and naked. Like, that's a real thing. And no, but they covered his shame, and so he blesses them. But to Ham, he says, no, your son will be a curse to you in the same way that, in a sense, Ham had been 
to him. And that's some of what it means to honor our parents is that we cover their shame publicly, speaking of them kindly. Now, that doesn't mean you never talk about things that aren't good or haven't been right. That's not what I'm talking about. There is a way in which we talk about the reality and even the gravity of how our parents have, have affected us in negative ways. There's no doubt about that. There is a place and there is a time and there is a way. But there is a way to do so and honor. And by the way, I think this applies particularly if your parents have passed. That there are things that, that you cover for them out of honor to them. Now, again, that's not a magic formula of you never say anything. There's a real discernment there, but that, that's some of what it means to honor. We honor our parents by respecting their need to be seen in us. It's funny how many people I'll talk up to, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be frustrated with their parents for how they're like, always trying to see themselves in us and like they're trying to live out their lives through us or something, you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, ah, oh, so get off me, mom. You know, like there's just a sense of like, ah, this is an... You do understand, right, that some of what God has put in the heart of man is that when we find our children living out the beauty of who they are in the world, it tells the world about us a little bit. That's how it works. It tells, and then of course that means if they're living out a way in which they're really wicked and the world is seeing it, it's telling the world about us. And so in that very real sense, there is a desire in parents to be seen and to be continued on through children. And one of the ways we get to honor our parents is by letting them enjoy seeing themselves in us. Instead of being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Trust me, I did not get that from you. I'm awesome and it was not you, I promise. You don't... You don't need to correct. You don't need to push away. No, 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 no. All these things I got from somewhere else. No, that's, that's not necessary. There's a desire and a longing in parents for them to see themselves in us. My heart and my reputation is bound up with my children in very mysterious ways. Just like in marriage, there is a particular bonding that belongs we honor our parents by relating as honestly and completely as we and they are able. Something I thought about late last night. That we, that we honor them by relating to them as honestly and as completely as we and they are able. Here's why I'm saying that. We're, we're, in a, we're, not, we're now in a season of our culture where we have very little problem many of us, telling our parents how they screwed us up. And we have, there's been a fascination for the better part of the last couple of decades with like, well, the only reason this is all broken is because of them. And then we realize we have children and we realize, oh my goodness, I did stupid stuff and now it's in them. You know, and so there's a little humility that comes over time, but, but there's a sense of fascination with if I, if I could, I'm uncovering the reality of what's happened to me. And, and there's a thing, there's, there's a way and there is a time in which we can relate honestly and completely with our parents to the degree in which they and we are able and there's some of you that have had really good and honest conversations with your parents about trying to articulate the reality of what it was like to grow up in the home you grew up in. And sometimes that's gone well, and sometimes that has not gone well. And, but the invitation that God is saying is he's saying, listen, if they are not in a place where they're able to receive this, then you honor them by not being able to go there. And you trust me that I'm going to be able to heal the things that you're not going to be able to fix. And by the way, some of you are not able and ready 
You're not in a place where a disposition of the heart where you're able to actually honor your parents while actually laying out the reality and completely as you can of what you experienced. So we honor them by doing so to the degree that we are able. One of the cool things that happened with, uh, with Haley as uh, she and Hutan went through premarital counseling is uh, they got to talk about you know, their home and where they came from and everything. And uh, Pam and, and Daryl Flo did their premarital counseling, which was awesome, and they did a great job. And of course, on Easter Sunday morning, Haley has the opportunity, as she's been going through this premarital counseling, to, to share a little bit about like, how it's been tough living in our home. And everything she said was true. <laughs> everything she said was true. And it was not an easy conversation. It was not an easy conversation. And I think if you'd asked me before if I was ready for it, I would probably said, I don't know, maybe later, you know? But it was really, really good. I feel like we were in a place where we were both able to. And it was time, and it was, and clearly, it was time. And it was an opportunity for repentance and seeing things. That doesn't mean we're done either. We get to heal through that. I felt honored by Haley. She didn't force things. She didn't push. She just laid it before and said, this is some of what, what does that sound like to you? What, do you, what does that feel like to you? I felt honored by, I felt invited towards, towards her in that. And probably one of the, the, the most significant is that we, we honor our parents by caring for their needs. Now, it's very clear in, in 2 Corinthians 12 that uh, children are not responsible or to, to really take care of their parents. They're not supposed to be saving up, and I'm sorry, not supposed to be saving up to take care of, of their parents. But parents are supposed to be saving up and caring for their kids. Now, basically that principle simply says that wise parents should be good stewards of their resources so that they're not a financial burden on their children as they age. That's the principle that that passage talks about. But that's not it. That's not the only principle at hand. One of the other principles is that children have the responsibility and opportunity to care for their parents as need arises in them. I love that, how scripture does that. It goes like, yes. So if you're a parent, here's what it looks like. You prepare. You, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you choose your life in a way that is not a burden to your children. And it comes over here and says, children, doesn't matter if your parents prepared or not. Your opportunity is to be able to care for them if need arises. See how God does that? He's always inviting us in both directions. No one gets out on the reality of needing him every single time. And so some of what that means is that some of us need to have our parents move in with us. And some of you guys have. Some of you have had to have financial, like serious financial implications. Some of you, like your time. Some of you had to change and quit jobs so that you would honor your parents by taking care of their needs. Jesus was really tough on the, Pharise on the Pharisees who were basically saying, hey, in Matthew 15, they're like, hey, listen, I, what I was going to give to my parents to take care of their needs, I actually gave to God. So, sorry guys, I'm out. Peace. And, and, and that's that's actually in Jesus. I mean, he is like, he is brutal. Read Matthew 15. I mean, he is like, this is the stuff that God talks about that they should be killed. They should be put to death because they're dishonoring their parents. And it's such, it's such an affront to the reality of the heart of God that, that in the Old Testament, it says they should be put to death. And Jesus brings it back up. You know, sweet Jesus and never says tough things. That's what he says about this. And so, I mean, that's like, we're in that season, right? My folks are in their 70s. Becky's folks are in their 70s. Like, we're, we're like, we're looking at it. And I have made so many internal decisions about like, well, hold on, like, I mean, it shouldn't cost me anything. I mean, really, you know, like I'll call a couple more times a week. We'll swing by on our way. I've been really impacted by uh, Roger and Robin Quam, who I don't know that I've actually met anyone who have honored their, who honor their parents more consistently, verbally. I mean, like I have just been really impacted by them, like really impacted um, by how they, 
they think about their parents and they seek opportunities to honor them. Now, they had incredible parents, which is really awesome, and they're both deeply grateful for that. That's not the case for everybody, but they're still choosing it. I have great parents. I don't really want to always. The bottom line is this is, this is actually, this is the weight of the command. This is all of what God's calling us into in this. So both parents, be honorable parents, prepare. Children, care for your parents as need arises, as you are able. Now, I know as you've been wrestling through this, depending on where you are and what your experience, which I, and I, know, I know enough of y'all's stories, I know there's some really, really broken stories in here with your parents and families, like rough stories with dads, tough situations with moms. Like this is, it's so easy to talk about as an idea, but then we have to like drill this into like the reality of our hearts and it's, it's not simple. So I, I hear me say, this is not a flippant reality or a simple thing. But we have to be true to what the word says. And and, and what God is saying in the fifth commandment is that we owe our parents a debt of honor. Not that they've earned it. See, I mean, the transaction is between us and God, not between us and them. That we owe our parents a debt of honor because God calls us to, to him. As we honor them as father and mother, even if they were bad mom and bad dad, as we honor them as father and mother, it doesn't matter how good of a mom or how they've done that, we honor God. Now, I have to say this because it's important. Um, when a parent is, this is, there are destructive, destructive parents. And unfortunately, some of you guys have those, those situations. And when a parent is violent or um, sexually aggressive or emotionally destructive, uh, children of any age um, are justified to put some tangible distance between them and their parents. It's essential. Maybe not be permanent. It may not be um, complete, but it is necessary. So do so wisely. Do so swiftly if needed. But do so with a heart that is still looking to God in it. One, of the, one, one author said, honoring our parents in situations and cases like this means honoring what our parents should have been. And the implication in the quote is actually that what would your parents, if they were good parents, tell you to do to this parent who's a bad parent? See what I'm saying? And so you honor your parents who are not being good parents who are destructive or damaging or... or by honoring what kind of parent they should have been if they were actually godly, Christ-trusting, God-fearing people. That's what it means to honor. And, and probably most significantly, and this is probably for a bunch of you in the room because this is one of the things I cannot shake, is, is some of what it means to honor your parents is to forgive them. And unfortunately, I know that several of you in this room are struggling with that or haven't, or actually find yourselves unwilling or unable one of the, I think, the most significant way in which we find ourselves over the course of our lives honoring our parents is by actually paying the debt of the mess they gave us and forgiving them with God. Now, I preached a whole sermon on forgiveness about a year and a half ago, and, and all those tools would apply here. And so you can go listen to that sermon and think through that. But you must forgive them in order to be free to honor them. And sometimes that's small forgiveness, and sometimes it's huge. And this is why the gospel is so pivotal here. Because there's no way you're forgiving your parents for even the small infractions or the significant things. That you're not harboring bitterness, or you're not being triggered every once in a while when they do this, or this, or this. 
is because you've actually paid the, the debt of pain for them. You've paid it for them. And so when it happens, okay, I know what this means. Lord, help me. So, here's the, uh, the two questions I want you to be asking uh, this coming week. I have them on the screen. If you're a child of a parent that's still alive, um, here's what I invite you to ask this week. I'll be putting these on the city. Ask your parents, what are the ways that you feel particularly honored by me? You might be surprised by things that you're doing that are really significantly impacting your parents. Second one's more hard, is harder. In what ways do you feel like I don't honor you or show you respect? And then, as honest as you and they are able, listen, inqu inquire, pursue. You might be surprised what it would do to your relationship, but it might even heal. All right, that's for children. Parents, this is going to be so much fun. I can't wait to hear about this. All right, ask your children, and I don't care what age they are. Well, you know, <laughs> if they're in this room. Um, what are some of the things that I'm doing that make it easy for you to honor me? And a little bit more difficult. In what ways have I or do I currently make it difficult for you to honor and respect me? These questions, their purpose is to thrust you into the real conversation. Because you can leave here and be like, sorry, I got time. Um, you can leave here and it can just be an idea. Or it can be that thing that that was unpleasant to hear for a little bit, but you shook it off over lunch. There's a conversation that can actually happen that could be transformative to your heart. I don't know how it will go, but it could be good in you. And it honors God. And all honor is due to him, including our relationship with our parents. There's no way you do this. This is not possible. I don't care how good your parents are. This is not, you don't have it. And so the invitation to the table is always the same in a very real way. You don't have it. You cannot, you cannot honor your parents, doesn't matter how well you see them, until you see the perfect parent. And to see the, the father from the prodigal who runs out and cares for his two prodigal sons and, and takes his honor and is dishonored so that he can give them honor. You understand that's what the story is about, right? Like Jesus coming as a man and then a slave. It's dishonor so that another would have honor. And that's what now enables us to give honor where it doesn't even, it isn't deserved necessarily. Because you have it. You've received honor in Christ. And so, this is your opportunity to come forward and trust God. That he wants to honor your parents through you. And so receive honor and change you. Because this is the kind of obedience to God that changes your life. He's a good father. He's chosen to reveal himself as a good and perfect father. You're safe. It is well. Let me pray. Father, Father, we sing the song, You're a Good, Good Father, because it's really, it's really essential in a moment like this. There is no way that we're going to be able to entrust ourselves, especially if there's been pain or mess or whatever unless you have us. And so we thank you, Father, that you have us. And that you will 
receive honor as we trust you. And so, as we say, glorify yourself in us. Bring great glory to your name because of how you lead us to trust you. We cannot do it on our own. Give us the power and the grace that comes in Christ Jesus only. And as we take these elements, Father, will you lead us to trust you in ways that we never thought we could because we see you clearly and that you have given us all honor through your son. We pray this in his name. Amen. If you belong to Christ Jesus, this is your meal. Come and receive and honor God. Come forward.